people who cannot separate or they're challenged by separating the man, his opinions, and the microphone that he now owns. Yeah, but I, I mean, look, before the acquisition, I was the most interactive with account on Twitter. So it's not like, you know, um, it's actually all, all that different. Um, Are you kidding me? This terrible question. Elon is by far one of the best billionaires, probably the best billionaire and rich individual business owner there is. In comparison to Bill Gates, he's so boring. He's so boring, Bill Gates. He just sits around, gives you a vaccination, and you know, he's so boring. He's just an old man who's just moody. The same as Mark Zuckerberg, the same is true Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is just, you don't know who these people really are. Elon's just an open book. He's a funny guy. He's a normal person. Even announced. Um, and that's when there were like, you know, a fair number of people at Twitter who weren't exactly my best friends. So. <laughs> Well, you know, you open yourself up to this transparency. Your tweets are eligible for this labeling. You've actually unblocked all of your yeah. followers. I, I, right? I, I deleted my block list. Right. You delete your block list. You've also been told that you never want to lose your feedback loop, specifically your negative feedback loop. Yes. Thankfully, Twitter um, will always provide you with a negative feedback loop. Um, I have to push you a little because there's a lot of folks in this room, they vote with their pocketbooks and, or wallets, I should say. I like pocketbooks. With their nice ones. Digital, um, digital wallets. <laughs> but they can't cross that transom. They have a challenge with your points of view, your opinions, and still holding back from unlocking the full power of Twitter. What do you say to them in this room? Well, I think, first of all, if you want to know what my opinions are, you should really, I guess, uh, look at my Twitter. Um, if you read the, <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, because it's hard to uh, convey tone uh, with a tweet. So something that may be sarcastic or a joke or something like that may come across as serious when it isn't. Um, but a lot of the, the, the issue is negative amplification in the media. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I recently had an interview with an organization called BBC, which you may have heard of. Maybe. And um, that was entertaining. Um, but, you know, the reporter was saying, uh, claiming that there was all this, that hit that, that. It's also so funny how the BBC, they did like many summaries, uh, you know, article form writings in regards to the interview. And they failed to note the fact that the, the BBC has been responsible for so much misinformation, as they call it, when it comes to COVID-19. And they failed to cover vaccine issues in relation to, you know, injuries which can occur from the vaccine. And despite the fact this is low probability, you would expect the supposed impartial media provider of the UK to cover that in comparison to just focusing solely on one side of the debate, in which is in regards to the, you know, the, the positive aspects of vaccines, which of course there are. I mean, Elon just exposed them. It was great. That is just a great sign. What we've seen over the past few weeks when it comes to Tucker Carlson leaving Fox, when it comes to the BBC interview, when it comes to media in general, there's just a lacking winning level of trust within these mainstream media organizations and which clearly have alternative motives. And they don't have the benefit of being able to connect with the audience on a one-to-one -one basis. What I think is going to happen within the information age is really a decentralization of the media. 
in which individualistic brands and smaller media organizations and companies and individuals are going to take the place and fill the void in which is so deep within today's society in regards to effective media. Now, that doesn't mean media has to tell the truth all the time. That doesn't mean there won't be issues, but it does mean that there's a range of different debates and opinions in which you can get your information from and thus come to your own conclusion in comparison to being told what to believe. He'd seen all this hate speech on Twitter. And I'd said, okay, well, can you give me a single example? And he couldn't. Right. Not even one. So then I'd say, like, okay, well, it's, you know, if, if, if your personal experience on Twitter, that's how you should judge the platform, yeah. um, as opposed to what is represented in, say, in, in sort of the traditional media. And it's important to bear in mind, the traditional media is a competitor to Twitter. So they compete for your advertising dollars. They, they, they compete against Twitter for your advertising dollars. If it is possible for them to diminish Twitter and reduce the probability of advertising dollars going to Twitter, uh, and at first, it's like basically you shouldn't take a competitor's word for it. Yeah. Like it's it's it well, doesn't. But it doesn't, don't you think? Um, I am blameless. Most, <laughs> most news organizations. Well, maybe a little. Okay. Most news organizations have a codependent relationship with Twitter, and I can, I, I could speak on behalf of the industry, but I'll speak on behalf of my own company. Um, we have a big partnership with your company, big distribution right. partnership. Are there days where I see some of your tweets and I say, I wish I could say, stop helping the situation. Um, but should you be held to a different or a higher standard that you're the owner, but you also have the most followers and a lot of people think you might be too provocative? Um, no, I think the same standard should apply to me as it applies to everyone on Twitter, just as it does on positive or negative. It's like, seriously, man. This is one of the issues, too, with politics today, in which no politician, really, very few, aside from Trump, few politicians today actually use social media. They have, you know, a great team of individuals who are responsible for putting out these really formal tweets. I don't think it should be like that. Why can't we have random discussions with politicians and ask them questions on Twitter within a fluid and free manner? Why do these politicians, why do many reputable people within today's society, including business, you know, CEOs and leaders, why do they have to come across as just these elites? It just doesn't feel right. Well, I've got Probably myself good into, advice for all of us. I've gotten myself into trouble a few times. Um, I'm, I'm very aware of those. Um, so after 3 a.m., you travel all over the world. Lord knows how you handle time zones in space. Will you commit to be a little more... Uh, specific and not tweet after 3 a.m.? People in this room would, would like to see that. It'll um, make them feel more I will, confident. I will aspire to, to tweet to less after 3 a.m. But I mean, it, it is important that, you know, I mean, if I were to say, yes, you can influence me, that would be wrong. That would be very wrong. Because me, that would be a diminishment of freedom of speech. But I want to be specific about influencing. It's more of an open feedback loop for the advertising experts in this room to help develop Twitter into a place where they will be excited about investing more money, product development, yeah. ad safety, sure. content moderation. That's what the info Why wouldn't you be excited about, you know, advertising on a platform with hundreds of millions of intellectual people who discuss interesting things on Twitter? Like influences. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think, 
It's like, I'm sorry, if, if these advertisers can figure out a way to advertise on bloody TikTok, in which you have literally people shaking their asses up and down days and days and days, if they can figure a way to advertise on TikTok, I mean, they can find a way to advertise on Twitter. This can't be, you know, neuroscience. This can't be rocket science. It's totally cool to say that you want to have your advertising appear in certain places in Twitter and not in other places. But it is not cool to, to, to try to say what Twitter will do. And if that means losing advertising dollars, we lose it. But freedom of speech is paramount. So, Twitter 1.0 had a uh, very well-populated, much-loved influence council. I know I don't, uh, I, I think we need to change the name. Elon does not want to be influenced. But it was well. really a recurring feedback loop from your key stakeholders, your advertisers, where they had recurring access or would have recurring access to you. <laughs> no way. That's not happening in a million years, lovely. What she's basically talking about there is, you know, a group of elites who control media, whatever, they control advertising, and they can basically say, we're not happy with this. If you don't do this, we're going to take away our money from Twitter. And hence, they have huge power and influence in regards to Twitter's policies. No thanks, Sunshine. Would you commit from this stage today to reinstate that council to be named later? Well, I don't think it should be influence council. That, and you have to say, I, I would be wary of that creating a backlash among the public. Because if the public thinks that, that you know, their, their views are being determined by you know, a, a, a small number of CMOs in America, they will be like, I think, upset about that. Um, but feedback, I think, is appropriate. Um, and you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, if somebody's spending money for their ad campaign, it needs to yield results for their organization, or or it doesn't make sense. Um, and you know that 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 that, inc that includes the sort of softer perception issues, as, as well as the more direct. Uh, does it move the needle on sales? Um, so you know, there's there's legitimate concerns that advertisers have that I want to hear. Um, and we're, we're going to move to live Q and A um, after the prepared questions, and perhaps uh, you can ask some of those right here. Because um, I think some of these things should be discussed in an open forum, you know. Um. Too bloody right, Elon. Don't influence, you know, don't get a council. What is that even called? A feedback council? Just get lost. I'm not having a council in which you're going to influence policies in regards to who can be banned and who can't be banned. Get a life. No, thank you, dear. Like, that is just how clear collusion occurs. And that is how all these conspiracies are started in regards to the sense that they're just an elite group who can control a great portion of society. Um, no thank you, dear. We're not having an elite society, elite group, in which you're just going to be able to control as to what policies are implemented at Twitter. Because then you just, you know, not happening. Hey, Elon. Um, amazing to be here. My name is Martinez. I work in news media. And my question is, is you're saying Twitter is where we're going to be getting our information from now on, or social media? Is this the end of centralized publishers, news media, and we're going into decentralized information era? Thank you. Um, no, that's, that, that's a good observation. Um, that, that uh, so, you know, the citizen journalism is, uh, is essentially decentralized uh, news. 
Now, that, now this will, will obviously be, if somebody is a great writer uh, for the New York Times or Journal or Post or whatever uh, newspaper, the Herald, um, if they're a good, great writer, they, they will still gain a significant following as a function of their excellent writing. Um, so somebody who is an excellent writer will, will still get disproportionate attention. Um, but I think it is also important for us to, to, to decentralize uh, the, you know, what is written and, and what, the narrat what narratives are chosen. Uh, because even if- That is the thing, by the way, in which conventional media is just screwed by. The fact that the bandwidth, the technological bandwidth associated with mainstream media is so reductionistic, in other words, in consideration of the bandwidth and the requirement to pay huge amounts of money in order to be on air, air for a specific period of time, they basically have to condense their media coverage period down to, let's say, you know, a few hours a day or, or something. And just to, just thinking off the top of my head here, in consideration of the lacking just watching of TV, everyone has moved towards these devices such as a laptop or a phone to consume content and watch things now. And that is especially true, by the way, with smaller children, whom I've noticed specifically. I used to watch, when I was a young child, things on the TV, content on the TV. But nowadays, children don't do that. They watch everything on YouTube. And that trend is only going to accelerate, in my opinion, in which you have decentralization of the media. This era of the information age is going to be characterized by customizable media, an individualistic sense of media, in which small brands individuals that are going to have a one-to-one -one connection with the audience. And I think the Daily Wire by Ben Shapiro have done this really well, in which you have a one-to-one -one connection with the media in comparison to this black box organization with the journalists who, who was reporting an agenda which has been created by millions and millions of people across the new organization. It's like, that is just so dead. And especially in light of things such as the Iraq war, especially in light of COVID-19, which just has led towards a huge level of mistrust and, and lacking trust within um, media organizations and big institutions, that trend over towards the cyberspace in regards to decentralized media is only, is only going to accelerate. And I think it's a really good thing in terms of um, the ability to, to, to be exposed towards a range of different discussions and debates and thus come to your own conclusion. It's amazing. Everything in a newspaper is 100% correct. They're still choosing what to write about. They're choosing the narrative. Um, so I think it's important for the public to be able to choose the narrative as well. Um, so it, it's, it's not really, you know, that traditional pu publications go away, but really that we, 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 we um, give, give more weight. We, we, um, we enable the voice of the people to rise. Just imagine during COVID, if let's say, in comparison to kind of the censorship industrial complex which occurred in collusion with the media and collusion with the social media organizations which colluded with then the government. If we didn't have that collusion at such large scale, but instead, let's say, if we had free speech and discussion allowed online, as present now within the case of Twitter, then I think there would have just been a, an overwhelming sense of kind of I think the outcome of the lockdowns and the policies in which were implemented would have just been rebelled against so greatly in consideration of perhaps different opinions and debates and discussions in which were surfaced to the top regarding perhaps the lack of efficacy and the downsides and disadvantages of mass lockdowns for multiple years. I think that that is really fundamental in order, in order to kind of have a prosperous and, and, and flourishing society. And during COVID, we didn't have that. We had the collusion with the media organizations, social media companies and governments in which implemented a specific narrative. And that's not a conspiracy theory, it's true. 
I mean, I, I can go to talk forever if you want. Um, One more. One more. So it's, it's not up to me. It's, uh, it's really up to you guys. I'm happy to talk longer if you want. <laughs> Hi. My name is Carol Christ, and I had the great honor to serve as First Lady of Florida. And it's a, an incredible honor to be here with all of you and this beautiful conference. And this is an extraordinary panel and this discussion and the great work you do for humanity, our planet. And I'm just so um, impressed with everything you're doing at Twitter and how open you are with everything you're doing. I think it's said, a great service over, yeah. to our country and the world. And um, I, I really am very grateful for, to you for that. And um, it may be a little depressing, but we do have an election year coming up, and it's incredibly important. Well, not yet. This next year. Politics. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, the world is watching, and um, it's an incredibly important time. A lot is at stake, and um, I would love to know what you... Um, I'm sure you have a lot going on, and I would love to hear some of what you have to say on. and what we can look forward to hearing from Twitter. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's very important for elections uh, domestically and internationally um, that we have an open and transparent platform. That's why I think it's just the, the open sourcing of the algorithm um, and uh, complete transparency is essential. Where's Hunter? Hunter Biden laptop buried. What a great story that would have influenced the election dramatically. And even if there was no information regarding Joe Biden, and which perhaps could have been damning, the fundamental conspicuous banning of that story in which occurred within a collusion manner, in which social media organizations came together and just colluded in order to ban that story. I just think it's disgraceful how these social media organizations can have such a huge influence in regards to what they deem to be the truth. And you can't say anything about it, Sunshine. It's like just so disgraceful. So I'm really excited. And it's just a fundamental necessity for a democracy to have free speech discussion and debate in regards to policies and stories and even if the stories end up being false i think that the impacts of conspicuously banning the story leads towards conspiratorialness and people just once again have waning trust and acceptance of large organizations such as the government when you you know see a collusion in which perhaps can influence the election dramatically specifically as we saw with the hunter biden story um so that people know what's going on they know that something is not being artificially suppressed or amplified um, and so we, we, and, and as, as I mentioned when we open sourced uh, the recommendation algorithm now there's still other elements of Twitter that haven't been open sourced but will be that we've, we've the, the public found many um, errors in, in our recommendation platform that we fixed and we'll keep doing that um, the what really matters is does the is, is there both the reality and the perception of a platform that the public believes they can that, that they can trust? And 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 it, and I, like you said, if you don't have trans anything that's not if, if, any platform that does not have transparency, I wouldn't trust it with a damn. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Elon Musk is here to save us from the censorship industrial complex, which is so present within today's age. Twitter, all these other social media organizations previously, and some even today, are just engaging within conspicuous censorship for policies in which they disagree with. And they arbitrarily define themselves, it seems, as the Ministry of Truth. And I think it's disgraceful. And these organizations, I'm looking at you, Zuckerberg, should be totally and utterly ashamed of themselves. So let's see. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you soon.